0: Welcome, folks. This is Mark Steiner. We're about to have a conversation with John R. MacArthur, who is publisher of Harper's Magazine and author of *The Selling of Free Trade*, and wrote a really interesting piece uh, just recently was sent to us in *Spectator*, and uh, we're talking to him about that and his thinking on the Democrats and more. And John R. MacArthur, welcome. Good to have you with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, we've been talking a bit about this a lot over the last uh, months which is the disarray Democrats find themselves in. And, you, and that's part of the text and subtext, I think, of everything you're writing about is the disarray that people don't talk about a great deal.
1: Yeah, there's a real split in the Democratic Party right now uh, that's being covered over, papered over by uniform, unified hatred of Trump. And uh, yeah, it's great to bash Trump. He's terrible. He's crazy. He's ignorant. But it, it doesn't address the big, deep divide in the Democratic Party between uh, the Sanders- partnership in the case of Obama uh, is going to sink the party or is going to tear it apart if we don't address it.
0: So th- th- taking that, that tact, let's, let's continue that for a minute. I mean, so, so the question is there was clearly a split in the Democratic Party during this primary. It played itself out. You talked about the chairman of the DNC in your article and how that went, what happened there and how that was also part of playing this out. But now Democrats are also talking about how they have uh, 20 Republican House seats that they are targeting, uh, that are that that where they could be in danger. I, as I said this morning to some other people in another conversation, I'm not as sanguine about others about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I, I I you refer to the first about. Let's clarify on the DNC chairman. Uh, Please yes. He, uh, uh, the Sanders back candidate Keith Ellison, the the left wing Democrat from Minnesota, was defeated by Thomas Perez, the former labor secretary who was backed by obama the big difference between those two guys ellison was anti-nafta anti uh... uh... uh trans-pacific partnership and perez was pro-trans-pacific partnership obama's uh, uh... influence on the party and i guess broadly speaking the clinton influence on the party is still stronger than the sanders warren influence on the party and uh... Uh, if unless they start listening to those Sanders Warren people, Trump has still got all those uh, disaffected, angry, working class people to himself, whether he does anything substantive about it or not. His rhetoric is stronger. Uh, So we that's that's one thing. But your other point, your other question is about um, uh, I lost it now in trying to
0: no, no, that to me, that, that split Oh, the,
1: I'm sorry, on the, on the, 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 the 20 vulnerable uh, Republicans. Correct. Right. Well, already we're seeing, yes, the, 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 the special elections in, in uh, Kansas and in, uh, what was the other state, uh, Georgia, mm-hmm. uh, resulted in better Democratic results, but the Republicans still held the Kansas seat. Now there's a, a, a runoff in Georgia. I've forgotten when it's going to be. And there's no guarantee the Democrats are going to win. But the bigger problem is, is that the Democrats don't present a clear alternative uh, to Trump's fake populism. And uh, they haven't taken a position on trade as a party. And they haven't really taken a position on health care. They're just hoping, hoping that uh Trump will collapse of his, of his own weight or the Republicans will self-destruct by repealing Obamacare. That's not a, a winning proposition.
0: But can – do you think that bridge can be built? I mean, these two wings of the Democratic Party are really different. Um, the, 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 the Sanders wing of the party is a, is, is a wing that, that wants a single-payer health care system. They are opposed to NAFTA. They're opposed to the Pacific Partnership Agreement. Um, The other side, thought about McKay was wonderful and, you know, it it fits just nicely to the American scene and that that we need these global relationships. And it's like Wall Street versus whatever this other amorphous group is. Um, And so, I mean, how does that bridge get built? Can it be built?
1: I don't see how it gets built unless the money people, that is uh, the Clinton-Obama Wall Street wing, uh, the Charles Schumer, uh, Chuck Schumer wing, the Senate majority leader. Uh, Excuse me, Senate Minority Leader. (laughs) Uh, These people who live off uh, contributions from Wall Street and from big business uh, concede something to the sanders Warren people. So far, they're conceding nothing. Uh, What I hear from my sources, or my one good source, is that Sanders right now wants to introduce a uh, single-payer national health care bill in Congress for partly for political and symbolic purposes, but he's being prevented by Schumer because they've all decided that tactically the best thing to do is to defend Obamacare and let the Republicans destroy themselves, as opposed to uh, uh, presenting an alternative uh, like Medicare for All. I mean, the the polls show that a majority of Americans, I think 58% the last time uh, uh, they were asked, uh, support some kind of Medicare for all, a single-payer program. Uh, and that would be a popular alternative to this crazy uh, uh, thing the Republicans are doing, which is to weaken a program that's already too weak and is already in trouble. Uh, I don't know if you saw the story in the Washington Post the other day that the Obamacare in, o- in Iowa is falling apart because the right. insurance companies are pulling out of the, the exchanges. I mean, the whole idea of trying to get private, for-profit companies to act in the public interest, to force them to act in the public interest, is the fundamental problem with Obamacare. It can't... uh, You're you're going against the the corporate grain when you try to do that. And uh, uh, if they would propose something constructive as an alternative, like Medicare for All, I think it's a winner. But the, the people who raise money from the insurance companies, from the pharmaceutical companies in the Democratic Party, do not want to do that. Uh, just like they don't want to cut off the Wall Street funding, so I I see that the only hope is Schumer and those people being forced uh, out of political self-interest uh, or something uh, to 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 make to make concessions to the Sanders Warren uh, wing. Otherwise, we're going to have I'm terrified uh, the Republicans are going to hold on to the House by a narrow majority in in a year and a half. And that Trump will be reelected in four years. That's my nightmare for I think, three and a half years.
0: Right, right. And I think that's a nightmare that that many people have. Um, as a matter of fact, probably the majority of the country has.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And 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 I and Sanders is being a good is being a good scout right now. Uh, so is Warren. They're not criticizing the leadership. They're not criticizing Schumer. They're not blaming Obama or Clinton for Trump's success, uh, because remember, Obama was still of flogging, uh, was still promoting the Trans-Pacific Partnership right up to the end of the, the campaign. That hurt Hillary Clinton as much as anything else did. Uh, certainly NAFTA hurt her, but also Obama refusing to get off uh, the TPP uh, horse uh, didn't help her. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's very, very worrisome, very, very troubling right now. And it's not being discussed because Warren and Sanders are being good soldiers and not and not making a fuss about it. It's they're trying to promote
0: or present party uh, a unified uh, face. So I mean, so you would. This is a bit of a digression, but yeah. I mean, so the new yeah. book out, "Shattered," I think it's called, if I'm correct, yeah. right? Uh, about Hillary's campaign um, that puts the onus on her for all the, the main reasons you're laying out now. So my guess would be you subscribe to that idea.
1: Well, I haven't read the book. I tried to get a copy. And it was sold out <laughs> where, where I tried to buy it. So I don't know what. They say about trade policy, uh, because I think NAFTA and permanent normal trade relations with China, TPP, those are the key uh, things that beat Hillary. Uh, uh, You know, I keep citing this one county in uh, Ohio, but there are other counties like it, Wood County, Ohio, which went something like 51 percent for Obama, 44 percent Romney in 2012, exactly the, the reverse in, uh, 2006 uh, 2016 51 percent Trump 43 44 percent Clinton so uh, that's a, that's a that's a county where a big uh, manufacturing plant closed uh, the autolite spark plug plant and moved to Mexico so these people are mad you know uh, and these but these are also people who voted for uh, uh, Obama they're not racist they voted for Obama hoping that he would do something about uh, the deindustrialization of the country and the, and the outsourcing of jobs. He didn't. So out of frustration, uh, they voted for uh, in just enough numbers to put Trump over the top. It's, a, it's not a lot of voters you're talking about. Uh, uh, it's a few hundred thousand people we're talking about who swung the election for Trump. These people are still not being uh, talked to directly by the Democratic Party. They're being ignored. And I I presume in Baltimore, uh, you know, there's still a lot of unhappy people who used to work at Sparrows Point, right, worked at uh, the steel mill there, wondering what happened to our life, what happened to our lives, what happened to our wages, what happened to our factory. Right. They're not being – we're not talking to those people, or the Democrats are not talking to those
0: people. And also, when you go back to health care, there's a big battle here in Maryland, as there is in other states, um, the, where the battle over premiums is rising. The yeah, team, right? right, still really going exploding.
1: up. Yeah, and, and again, there's this nutty idea that you're going to get uh, insurance companies to compete with each other uh, in such a way that it's going to drive down prices. Well, uh, here's the bad news. Uh, uh, most companies don't like competition. They like a sure thing. And if they see that there's too much competition, they just pull out of the market because they there's not enough money to be made or we're losing money. And that's exactly what's happening on, when, on many of these state uh, uh, insurance exchanges. The insurance companies are pulling out, leaving you with one uh, one choice of insurance company. So inevitably, they're going to raise their prices, and prices are going up overall. Premiums have been going up ever since uh, Obamacare was, uh, or the Affordable Care Act was enacted. And this doesn't just affect the people who are buying Obamacare, uh, or buying insurance through Obamacare, it's affecting premiums overall for middle-class people and for companies that were already providing uh, health care. So it, it's been a bad deal for everybody. And it is, and that's, the, again, the horrible thing is that when Trump, in his ignorance and his, uh, his shallowness, says, oh, Obamacare is a mess, uh, it's going to explode, he's not entirely wrong. I mean, just because he's a fool doesn't mean he doesn't occasionally say uh, something that's true. Uh, So, you know, these are things that I feel like uh, are being papered over and not discussed. And and I wake up sometimes having this nightmare (laughs) of Trump reelected based on a a completely fraudulent uh, position that places him to the left or at least to the more progressive side of the, uh, of the Democratic Party.
0: Rhetorically, anyway.
1: Rhetorically, anyway, even though he's doing nothing substantive about it. You saw he almost uh, reported that he was going to uh, announce unilateral withdrawal from NAFTA on the night of the White House Correspondents Association uh, dinner uh, just to uh, make trouble for the White House Correspondents. <laughs> and at the last second, he changed his mind and didn't do it. I mean, effectively, he's done nothing. To help uh, beleaguered, uh, out-of-work factory workers who are suffering from unfair, what I consider unfair, uh, competition from from overseas. You know, listen. As long as American workers are put in a position where they have to, c- to compete against two-dollar-an-hour labor, or one-dollar-an-hour labor, or three-fifty, let's say, uh, uh, the Democratic Party—they're they're not going to vote Democratic not going to vote you know they'll they'll vote for the guy who says i can bring the jobs back whoever that is
0: whether Uh. whether they're telling the truth or not but whether they're telling the truth or not so before i get into the question that you raised about trade versus automation which is a really interesting argument i think that's taking place have you given much thought to the 10 million people who chose not to vote not not who voted for obama and chose not to vote for hillary five million less in the last election in 2012, and then another five million under Hillary, and many some studies I've seen, those were the ten million voters who were excited by Obama who came to the polls. Many of them young, many of them communities of color, and others who d- did not vote again. So, what about that dynamic?
1: Well, some of it is is race. Uh, you know, you're going to get a bigger black turnout for Obama than you're going to get for uh, Hillary, but that's not inevitable. Uh, what you see there, I believe, is disappointment that Obama did not deliver on his campaign pledges. He said he would reform NAFTA uh, when he was uh, fighting to win the Ohio primary in 2008. He said, I'm going to reform NAFTA. He didn't do it. Uh, he embraced more free, quote, free trade deals. And I point out in the piece that I that you're talking about that these aren't really free trade deals. They're investment agreements that encourage American investment in Mexico and, and, and in China. Uh, Obama did not raise the minimum wage. Uh, The last time we had a minimum wage increase was under Bush, incredibly. Um, uh, And he kept talking about globalization and jobs of the future and all these uh, out-of-work factory people or former factory workers or people who worked for businesses that depended on uh, the local factory functioning and and meeting its payroll Uh, uh, because, remember, it's not just the factory worker who gets found out of work. It's the guy running the or the woman running the stationery store on Main Street. It depends on the factory workers uh, uh, spending money. Those people were tired of sitting around and waiting for the Democrats or Obama to deliver on his promises. So they see Hillary as a uh, sort of a, a pale imitation, pardon the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, my use of language, of, of Obama's progressivism. And they say, look, the Democrats just didn't deliver for us, so we're not even going to bother to vote. Trump looks terrible, looks crazy. Uh, and then there are other people, the people I interviewed in, uh, in uh, Ohio, and I've been interviewing for years and years because I've been on this seat a long time, uh, who are just uh, horribly frustrated and they say, the hell, hell with it. I'll vote for the crazy guy or the, the strange, eccentric guy who claims he's going to bring our our jobs back. Now, automation... Uh, this is the new mantra for uh, angry Democrat, or mainstream Democrats who don't want to believe that NAFTA or PNPR, that's Permanent Normal Trade Relations with China, caused the jobs to move to Mexico and, and China. They did. Uh, many studies back up what I'm saying, and I saw it uh, in my interviews and my my own journalism. Uh, uh, but automation has now become the for not talking about these trade deals. Look, there's been automation since the beginning of time, uh, but it doesn't stop some countries from doing better in manufacturing than others. There's been automation in Germany now. It's uh, a very automated uh, uh, country. But they still dominate Europe uh, uh, with their with manufacturing and exports because they've had a very smart industrial policy. Uh, But there's lots of factory jobs that are not automated that do move to Mexico and China and continue to be unautomated. The only reason uh, they move is for the cheap labor. That's the only reason they go. And in some cases, uh, when I did my book about uh, the Swingline Stapler Company, for example, uh, Mm -hmm. it's a a stapler company that used to be in New York and moved to uh, Nogales, Mexico. Uh, I went down there and I I sneaked into the factory and I found that they had uh, gone to hand assembly of the staplers, where the staplers in New York were were machine assembled. So that's how cheap the labor is in Mexico. It was actually more efficient and, according to one of the managers I talked to, better quality uh, to, to hand assemble them. So I think the automation argument is a canard. Uh, and they would rather, you know, they'd rather blame it on Russian hacking. They'd rather blame it on sexism, racism, and whatever, instead of addressing the real reason people felt abandoned by the Democrats. I don't, and again, I, I object to the argument that it's racist because, yes, there's always racism uh, uh, or sexism, but uh, uh, it doesn't explain all these people switching from Obama to Trump.
0: Well, so so a couple of things. Uh, what, and I'm going to come back to the racism question yeah. for me, because I think it's, it's, yeah. we've covered that a great deal as well here on this program. But um, but I, I, when I saw the argument, you, the the uh, rabbi who came up to you, yeah, uh, uh, and when you gave, gave, when you were speaking uh, together, um, and said, no, no, it's you know it's it, it's it's automation. It's not NAFTA, which is the argument that many people who love NAFTA make. On right. the other hand, if you read books like. Uh, People Get Ready by Bob McChesney and John Nichols, they make a pretty cogent argument that um, automation is going to take away jobs from American workers, is doing it, and will continue to do it in a greater greater numbers in this century. And that it couldn't it be both? It Couldn't it be the interplay of both automation um, that, that, that could take away millions of jobs as, as well as what NAFTA and all these other deals are doing? That, that it's not one or the other. It's a combination.
1: Sure. Uh, there's, there's part, but it's mostly NAFTA because, again, you have to have American employees supervising the robot and the machine uh, that, make, uh, that, aut- that are automated. Uh, uh, if you send the job or the factory to Mexico or China, a Chinese or a Mexican worker is going to supervise. If, if it's automated, they're going to supervise the robot. Uh, you also have people in the United States who make robots. So you want them to be making the robots here as opposed to making them in, uh, in uh, a foreign country if you believe in supporting the American working class. I mean, uh, nobody can stop automation. Uh, there's going to be automation, uh, but it's a question of, of, uh, of, of proportion. because a vast number, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of jobs that have gone to Mexico and China are not high-tech, uh, sophisticated a robot uh based uh, production they're just not i all you have to do is walk into a maquiladora cross the border you can you can usually get past security and walk into a maquiladora and you'll see hundreds and hundreds of Mexicans doing very very basic uh hand assembly of products same thing in china it's not that automated it's the cheap labor for the most part that draw, that's accelerated uh the outflow of these jobs and uh Um, But yes, of course, there's some automation. But there are other examples of countries like Germany that have handled automation uh, very well and have uh, uh, managed to maintain an industrial workforce and an export economy that keeps that country rich and happy.
0: Well, maybe part of the reason that Germany can do that and places like Finland can do that um, and other places is because they're social democracies. They're not just completely run by... That capitalist machine. I mean, they are right. You know, I mean, Finland now is experimenting with with a base uh, and a, and a, a a base salary for entire for everybody in the country. Right. I mean, they're they're they they're addressing this question of automation while they're dealing with their own economies. So I mean, and I, I'm not saying this to, to negate what I think the foreign trade agreement deals did yeah. to American workers. I agree with you completely on that. But I just what I'm just saying is that there's also a huge change taking place in capitalism. That, is, that it will adversely affect workers in this country and around the world unless there are policies in place to ensure that they're taken care of.
1: Well, one, and one of those policies, and this is a very old argument, is, is free health care. Uh, General Motors uh, built plants in Canada uh, mainly because the Canadians provide free health insurance. That's, that's why they built them there because the, the wage rates are, are similar between Canada and the United States. The big advantage is that the Canadians pay for health care, and we don't. Uh, the GM has to pay for it. For the uh, So, you know, those are those are the, those are are sort of business decisions that people, that businessmen make that are rational. Uh, but when they move a plant to Mexico or China or they build a plant in Mexico or China, it's not, they're not going for the free health care. They're going for it, or the social democratic advantages of being in those countries. They're going just for the cheap labor. Uh, so, yes. If we had national health care, uh, free health care, and private corporations didn't have to pay, pay uh, for private insurance for their employees, it would be a tremendous uh, uh, advantage to American business that would encourage manufacturing to stay here, absolutely. That would be a, a more social democratic model that would also help industry here, like it helps German industry.
0: So uh, coming back to what you said a moment ago, so I'm just in how this winds out into our future. By
1: the, by the way, just, just to correct, it's, yeah, yeah. It's the, the rabbi comes up to me at the event, but the, the scarier thing is when uh, <laughs> Randy, Randy Weingarten, uh, uh, right, right, the president of the American, of, uh, American Federation of Teachers, comes up to me and says, she's right, you're wrong. It's automation, it's not NAFTA. And, and uh, Randy Weingarten is still a very powerful player in the Democratic Party. And that's when I realized, We've got a real problem here. Uh, if, this, if this is a labor leader and the party line for a labor leader is that it's not the trade deal, it's automation, then we're, we're headed for a major collision between the Sanders-Warren and, uh, and Obama-Clinton.
0: No, no, I, I, that, that, uh, that, that is a problem. I mean, I, I yeah. thought about that as soon as I read the uh, piece that you yeah. wrote. I mean, that, that, that's one of the reasons Democrats are in trouble and could remain in trouble. Right. For, for some time to come. And and you it just just one thing that, that about the future also is this question of race and racism in America. I mean, I mean, I agree having interviewed a lot of people, especially in Appalachia, in Ohio and some other places in the course of the last two, not this election, the previous election, the last two elections. And and, and, and talking to people at, through the National Federation community broadcasters who were white working class people voting for Obama. Um, and it was about the economy, and it was about the message of hope that he gave, and he gave to everybody thinking, you know, he's going to go in there and take on the banks, which he didn't do, and help them with their mortgages, which he didn't do, and the rest. It kind of, the, the bottom fell out. But the other part of that as well is that, I mean, race and racism played a huge role in the hatred of Obama, and I think also plays a huge role in, 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 uh, in what fueled this kind of nationalist fervor that was under Trump. And I, I, what I'm saying is I think it's complex,
1: Yes, it is complex, and uh, this country is deeply racist, and uh, you can't escape race as an issue. Uh, and people do vote racial interests, and uh, or what they pretend to be racial, or they they, they believe is race race interests. Uh, but th- it also is true that when somebody's making money, uh, and living a decent life, and their kids are going to a decent school, and they feel like their their kids are going to be able to go to college. I think they feel less racist. They feel less threatened, and it's it's a lot harder to get to play the race card with a satisfied, uh, fully employed white person than it is uh, uh, than than it is with a, uh, a, a beleaguered. You know, the sense we're all in this together. We're all growing together. We're all benefiting from the same expansion of the economy. And you don't have to fight among yourselves anymore. Uh, nobody's going to bring in uh, illegal foreign labor uh, to break your strike. You know what I mean? I mean that's that. that those are the things that, that companies used to do to try to break to to, to try to break uh, uh, labor unions. And uh, I think. We're going back in time to a time where people say, Oh, the Mexicans are gonna take our job. Uh, the Mexicans are the, the, the Mexicans it's not their fault, they're desperate for work. You know, they've got a choice, um, it's one of the things I keep saying that's absurd about Trump's position. He keeps making it sound like that the Mexicans have done a number on us. They've <laughs> they've stolen our job. No, not on the contrary. We're our companies are exploiting. Uh, uh, cheap Mexican labor. They can't get a raise. They don't have legitimate unions there. They don't have normal, the normal uh, worker protection that we have in this country. They can't uh, uh, get a raise, because they can't strike, for the most part. Uh, uh, it's been a bad deal for the Mexicans. Uh, NAFTA also, I mean, it, it, there is one free trade element to NAFTA, which is important, and that's that the Mexicans drop their tariffs on Imported corn uh, to zero. So now, uh, uh, corn grown in Nebraska with kind of industrial methods is pouring into Mexico. Little Mexican corn farmers can't can't compete with that. So it drives them off the land. They 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 go north and they have a choice. They can either work in a maquiladora for two bucks an hour, or they can jump the border and work illegally in this country for three four bucks an hour. Not a great deal for the Mexicans. Don't don't blame the Mexicans, really. <laughs> so I mean, blame, blame the Clintons, blame the bushes, blame the people who negotiated NAFTA. Don't blame, uh, don't blame the, the, the desperate Mexicans who need work.
0: So as, as well as you write and think about these things deeply, I know you're not prescient and you don't have a crystal ball, but <laughs> so yeah. where would you how do you foresee these next several years playing out given the turmoil inside the Democrats, but also internal turmoil turmoil among Republicans. How do you see it playing out?
1: Well, with the Democrats, I think there's going to be another bloody uh, battle, primary battle, uh, in uh, 2020 between a progressive candidate uh, who opposes the trade deals and opposes the Wall Street-based financing of the Democratic Party and a mainstream Clinton-Obama uh, surrogate, or Clinton herself. I, I think there's going to be a draft Hillary movement Wow. uh and it it's in the it's in the offing uh, because they won't be able to agree on a candidate uh and uh that's the best chance trump has for re-election is if they either renominate clinton or they nominate somebody who's clearly sent by the Clinton. I mentioned in my article, uh, there's going to be a split between the hard right Republicans, uh, the Freedom Caucus, and the libertarians, and the mainstream Republicans, or more mainstream Republicans, who uh, I think they're going to lose their seats if they continue tying their, uh, hitching their wagons to Trump, uh, and whether there's a final bloodletting in the Republican Party between hard right libertarians and less uh, uh, extreme Republicans, is yet to be seen. But there, there could be two major, major schisms, major, major splits in the two parties. That's what I think is going to happen. And it's going to get resolved, not in this congressional election. I'm afraid the Republicans are going to hold on to the House. and It's going to get resolved in the, uh, in the primaries in 2020, or, or not resolved. It, you see, it wasn't resolved between <laughs> Sanders. It wasn't resolved between Sanders and Clinton. You know, I mean, the fight played itself out in the in the in the competition be, in, for the DNC chairmanship between Perez and right. and Ellison. And they're trying to make believe right now that everything's fine. Everybody's on the same side. They're not on the same side. Uh, Warren and Sanders already. You see, they got upset because Obama took a four hundred thousand dollar fee for a speech uh you know, that's, that's the difference. That, that is, in a nutshell, that's the difference. Uh, Warren and Sanders, I, I think, want to see the party move towards a more uh, populous, uh, democratic, uh, and uncorrupted uh, financial basis. And the Schumer-Clinton-Obama uh, wing is, is perfectly happy with raising money the way they've always raised money.
0: This has been fascinating, and I deeply appreciate your time. We've been talking here to John R. MacArthur. The article we saw was in The Spectator, The Democrats Divided. He's the author of Selling Free Trade and, of course, publisher of Harper's Magazine. Uh, John R. MacArthur, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a great discussion.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate the time.
0: We have to take a short break, but folks, stay with us. When we come back, we'll hear the latest episode of Democracy in Crisis, our weekly podcast series with Baynard Woods. On our way to break, I want to remind you the Mark Steiner Show is brought to you in part by MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union. Offering a full range of financial services, MeQ, Baltimore's Credit Union, has been helping its members and its community prosper for the last 80 years. When you invest in yourself, MeQ invests in you. Remember, it's a credit union, not just a bank. It belongs to you. Money comes back in the end. More information at www.mecu.com or steinershow.org is Miku Baltimore Credit Union's banner.